0: reading is Habakkuk 2, verse six, 6, to the end of the chapter. And I'm reading from the New International Version. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your debtors suddenly arise Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their victim. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to set his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by crime. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that nations exhaust themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming round to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol since a man has carved it, or an image that teaches lies? For he who makes it trusts in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silenced before him.
1: This St. Andrews, is God's word. So good morning and welcome to anyone joining on podcast or YouTube. I'm just going to play a clip if you're on podcast. It actually isn't that important, so you don't have to do it. But it's, it's on YouTube, and it's an Australian program called The Pitch. And this ad is called Invade New Zealand Day. We're continuing with our series on uh, Habakkuk. I think it's we've got the I, I do ang, uh, mangle the Hebrew. Uh, I was actually terrible when I was doing my Hebrew pronunciation in my undergraduate degree, and I have to say I've actually got worse since then, or at the very least got more lazy. So if anyone's listening to me on YouTube or podcast, do not listen to me for Hebrew pronunciations because I am dreadful at it. But for those uh, who are up to date, uh, do forgive me. Some of you guys, there are some people with amazing recall, and you are, totally know where we're at. You know all the things where we are, and you're ready for this next message. Uh, I'm really sorry I'm recapping stuff. I hope the recap um, at least will be refreshing. And there may be some who are here for the first time, you'll be like, I have no idea what's happened and why you do books of the Bible. And so for you, then you're very fortunate that I do these recaps. So the prophet was living in a time of deep, moral decline within the nation of Judah. And if you have a look at all of the prophets, you get to see the moral decline, the the collapse of the family unit, uh, where the own enemies were within the family, and there was promiscuity and all these things going on. Then you see huge corruption within the government. You saw this huge sense of injustice against the poor, this uh, horrendous abuse. The rich were getting richer, the poor were getting poorer. You get to see this this, uh, bureaucracy that was uh, uh, in control, and, and also this complete abandonment of faith in God to all these religions around. And even those who would worship God, many of them would worship them with their lips, but their hearts were far from them and had other gods. And there was it was getting worse. And the prophet was crying out to God. So in this particular prophet, it's interesting. The other ones, the prophets were were going to the towns and were telling the people, you need to repent. This prophet, Habakkuk, what he was doing was he was actually talking, it was a conversation he was having with God, and he wrote down the conversation. And so the, his, first he brings his complaint to God, God, the society, the moral decline in our society, it is absolutely horrendous. There is a crisis in this nation and people's eyes are not open to it. What are you going to do? And then God comes up with a reply, and I am, I am paraphrasing it here, of course. God says, Don't worry, prophet, I am raising up the Australians to invade you. They see you're a small nation, not much of a military, a land flowing with sheep and dairy products, 100% there for the taking, 100% too easy. And then the prophet has a second reply, again, paraphrasing. He's absolutely shocked. at at, at what God's plans are. So he complains to God in verse 12 to the beginning of chapter 2. He says, God, I thought you were a good God who hates violence. How can you use the Australians, or the Babylonians, of all people to invade poor, defenseless New Zealand? And he says, I know we're really bad, but the Australians, they're even worse than us. And that was his basic mission, that we're really bad, but the Babylonians, they are on a bad scale, they're even worse than us. They, you know, it's the Australians. They bowl underarm and steal their best talent. How can you allow this? And then finally, uh, I'm leaving the sort of the humorous dig to the text, going to the heart of what the prophet Habakkuk says, and this is a key verse that, that echoes through the centre of what the message of Habakkuk, and it's also a key verse of the New Testament, is this: is that the righteous shall live by faith. So God does not explain to the prophet why he's raising up the Babylonians. The prophet doesn't need to know that. What he needs to know is, if you wish to follow me, you're going to have to live your life by faith and trusting in God's providence. And so, of course, for myself and my own personal circumstance, this is a very meaningful message. We live under the providence of God and we trust him in all circumstances. And so... Uh, th- this was what was going on. So, to give another idea, and again, it's a bit of a recap. Do you want to check up the cycle of nations? Um, you will probably be sick of this by the time I finish Habakkuk. I promise I'll never show it to you again after this. Uh, the cycle of nations. And so, uh, do forgive me if you've seen this. Around and around we go on it. Uh, the, the Israelite nation. Remember, just remember, no model is perfect. This there was. It's quite complicated when you have a look at the, all the different invasions of Israel and what was going on. But some models are useful, and this is useful. It. The Jewish people, they were in bondage in Egypt for several centuries, and then Moses came delivering them with a mighty hand. Let my people go, you're with the story. They went into the wilderness, but the generation lacked two things spiritual faith and trust in God and courage. And they would not enter the promised land. Remember the 12 spies, except for Joshua and Caleb? So the generation died in the wilderness. And then Joshua and Caleb, Joshua, the theme of Joshua, I'm going really fast here, is be bold and courageous. They had faith in God, they had spiritual faith. encouraged, they entered the land, got some degree of liberty and abundance, and as soon as that generation died, a new generation rose up with complacency and apathy, dependency on other gods, other political ideologies, and they quickly fell into bondage, and if you know the book of Judges, and all the way through to the prophet Habakkuk, around and around they went, they'd cry, oh God save us, he'd send them a judge, and then they'd have spiritual faith and courage and the liberty, and around and around it goes, and the prophet was around about 558 on the clock that's what he was and this time there was going to be no redeeming king or leader the Jewish nation was going to go into exile and perhaps I'm making a speculative guess here 90 percent of the population of Judah was going to be killed either by the sword by starvation or the plague 10% Ten percent was going into exile, and that would be the new lot that would raise up. And, and Habakkuk was on the clock at five fifty-eight, and so he's complaining. And God's saying, "This is my solution," and he's very upset at God's solution. And God says, "The righteous live by faith. You trust my hand and providence over things." And yet, then now this is where we're up to. You're all up to caught up to date. Yeah, and then, but then the prophet actually has an insight about the cycle of nations isn't just going to turn on Judah. The cycle of nations is also going to turn on Babylon. And the five woes, and I got it in the NIV version because it's the five woes. The, the NLT is fantastic, but it just translates the woes into something else. I know woes are really old-fashioned word, but occasionally it's a good to use old-fashioned language that's actually correct, closer to the Hebrew. And so it's five judgments on Babylon that's coming, five reasons that the cycle of nations would turn. I'm going to just paraphrase it going through very quickly here. First, woe. Woe to him, this is Babylon, who piles up stolen goods, who makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey." God in his providence was allowing Babylon to be this rising superpower that was going to crush the other nations around it, but God was not endorsing its actions. And in fact, the violence that it was doing would mean it was creating enemies. And those enemies are coming like debtors. They've got a grudge, right? And the whole, met people with grudges, holding grudges, wanting revenge, Well, Babylon was creating a lot of that going around. And Habakkuk had the sight that the cycle of nations would turn, and eventually all those nations, they'll come to collect their debts with interest. And so the cycle of nations would turn on, think, from all of the abuse that they was doing. Habakkuk con- continues with the second and third woe. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to exclut- escape the clutches of ruin. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. I'm para- zipping through uh, 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 a bridged text here. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Verse 13. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire. So while Babylon was building this empire and could not possibly see that the clock was going to turn on this empire, all of their buildings through injustice, through oppressing the poor, through other nations, was simply building fuel for the fire of its own judgment. And then lastly, the last two woes woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they're drunk. So that he can gaze on their naked bodies. Woe to him who says to the wood, Come to life, or to a lifeless stone, Wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver, there is no breath in it. And these last two judgments, what it was saying was with the cycle of nations as the money and wealth and success and power came flooding into Babylon. What was Babylon going to do with all this money and wealth? It was going to be party central. And so alcohol, partying, sexual promiscuity, that's where the whole alcohol and sexual promiscuity is in the verse. And of course, who's read the prophet Daniel? It's most of you hope you have read the prophet Daniel. Read the prophet Daniel if you have not read it. Daniel in Babylon, the very night before the judgment comes from the Perds and the Medians, the Babylonian kings are having a wild party with alcohol. The very, and so the very hedonism of the Babylonian empire, the very decadence that that wealth and success was going was to rot the kingdom from the inside out. And, and, and the prophet Habakkuk saw it. Decades before it was to take place. The pursuit of hedonism, wealth, the wild Babylonian parties which were infamous in the ancient world. Of course, Babylon is a term that's used in the Bible for other cities like Rome, and also a future Babylon is yet to come, if you believe some of the prophecies, that wild hedonism would bring judgment uh from them. And so that was the, what was going on. So for Habakkuk, who was born, now remember where he's at. He's born and living through the rise of Babylon, and and in all probability, he's not going to live to see Babylon's fall, which was 70-plus years in the future. This was a reassuring message that the cycle of nations would turn on Babylon. It was about to strike 6 o'clock for Judah. But it would also turn on Babylon. So I could have called this morning's message the five woes. That would have been a great pre-Christmas message, you know, the five woes. Uh, um, um, But what I actually called it instead is God's, uh, God's providence and sovereignty in the cycle of nations, God's purpose in the rise and fall of nations. And this is the main theme of the prophet Habakkuk. So if you've seen these similarities in previous weeks, it is one of the main themes. And it's really important to allow these truths to sink deep into our hearts because it's God's word. Right, since Babylon has risen and fallen it's now just desert. If you go to Iraq, they have rebuilt some of the ruins for uh, tourists, but basically it's a desert area. Since that time, obviously many empires have risen and fallen. Superpowers have risen and fallen over the centuries. Forgive me for mentioning my great-grandmother's story, but my grandmother, she met, she mentioned to me when she was a young child, and there was the picture of Britain there in the middle of the map, Great Britain, and the, and the, the British Empire was up there the British flag, and they would say, God, save the king. We would not have the New Zealand anthem at that point. And the sun would never set on the British Empire. And she said that Singapore was the unsinkable aircraft carrier and ruled Britannia. Britannia rules the waves. Britain is part of the greatest empire ever and it rules forever and the sun never sets. That's what she was told when she was at school. She said, I never thought I'd live to see the day that the British Empire would end. And guess who would rise up? She said, the Americans of all people. She couldn't have seen that. But the rise and fall of nations, the cycle turns. And of course... If you follow the news, right now there's the biggest military buildup. I'm not criticizing China. I'm just making an observation. According to the experts, China is going through the biggest military buildup in human history. You can Google that if you wish. The cycle of nations turns. And yet here's the point. God's purpose is going on in the midst of it. And this here, and this is verse 14, if you've got it here, right in the series of the five woes about the cycle of nations is this key verse about what's going on. And it is a beautiful verse I hope this is if you hear and remember anything from today, this verse would sink in your heart. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What this is saying is that in the midst of all the rise and fall of these nations, that are going around and around on the clock with all these nations, is that God was going to bring his word, and it was going to go everywhere in the world. And so for Habakkuk, who was right now, he was right seeing the Judah about to be crushed like a bug by the Babylonian empire, the temple destroyed, the, the whole sacrificial center, center wiped out, all of that happening all of these things were going to set the scene for the Messiah, Jesus, to come. And when the Messiah come, and from Judah, this knowledge would go everywhere in the world, including to Geraldine in 2022, a week before Christmas, and that, that we would be talking about this verse. And of course, while our nation has a more or less abandoned God, this week we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of God has gone around the world. There are a hundred, Every year the Bible is a best-selling book. Billions of people have read or have access to the very prophecy that was, that is, and is, and was being fulfilled. God is working out his purposes for thousands of years, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, what does this mean for us today? Well, there's lots of stuff. The sovereignty and providence of God should stabilize us if the day that our world falls apart. Secondly, if you, as even in your personal life, or if we as a nation came under oppression, we should know that God is sovereign over the cycle of nations, the rising and falling of nations. And lastly, and this is something I want to get to just in a moment, am talking about St. Augustine before I take the plane and land, is this, is that ultimately for Christians why we should be honoring of any nation that we are a part of. We should be the best New Zealand citizens. You should all be paying your taxes amazingly, praying for Jacinda Ardern, our prime minister, honoring of of her and all those others in leadership of this nation. When when our prime minister thinks of of St. Andrew's and I'm sure she thinks of us regularly, she should be saying, what a great church that's praying for me and honoring us. That should be our attitude. But ultimately, our citizenship is not of this nation. It is of God. And that, and nations come and go, prime ministers come and they go. But the word of the Lord stands forever, and his kingdom stands forever. And so we get to see this, and I want to just finish with this with Saint Augustine. It's I've been reading in his books just recently. Saint Augustine wrote this book called City of Man, City of God. City of Man was Rome. And Rome had just been burned to the ground. And the Roman Empire was collapsing, an empire that had lasted a thousand years. And, everything, and the pagans were saying, you Christians have ruined the empire. And the Christians are saying, what are we going to do? It's the dark ages are coming. Everything's been destroyed. It's awful. The end of the world. That's what it was. I mean, if you're an empire for a thousand years and everything comes collapsing and everything's been burnt to the ground, is the vandals. We got the word vandalism from vandals because vandals did vandalism through all of Europe, um, more or less. And so that, as they were coming through, he wrote this book. And these are some of the things that he basically was saying as in terms of stability. He said this. He said, Firstly, about the cycle of nations. This is what his take. He said, "Look, looking at the Roman Republic." Take a look at your Roman Republic. That's 300 years before then. The writers for whose works we studied in school told the tale before Christ's coming. Remember? As Cicero notes, from a state of virtuous splendor sank by gradual change into one of shameful corruption. So at the time of, of, of Christ, all these senators, there was disputed elections. There was corruption in the leadership. And he was like, do you remember back to those two? And then when everything fell into civil war, these powerful Roman generals rose up. that became emperors. And then the, then the corruption went with that. The cycle of nations, says Augustine, turned. And lastly, he said this, that the main one of the main keys is this. He said, true justice has no existence save in that republic whose founder and ruler is Christ. That in the end, empires come, empires go, but we're part of a city of God, Our king is Jesus, and this kingdom will last forever. So in AD 430, just as the vandals were about to burn down Hippo, he died. That's the city from North Africa. But in an act of bizarre providence, they left his library alone. And so we've got the city of God today. But Augustine saw at 410 AD the cycle of nations turn, but he also saw that his ultimate citizenship is of heaven, of the Lord, and no matter what happens to us in our lives, God is working out his purposes, and his purpose is for his eventual return. The Lord was just to me recently, because I said, well, he may not come in our lifetime, and the Lord's not saying that he will, but he said, it's going to be really soon. And I, I was like, yeah, it's going to be really soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Lord is working out his purposes. And so in this Advent season, I'm going to read to you one of the prophecies about Christ, and this is his government that we are a part of. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those who's living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing it, holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. And And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This Christmas we celebrate the birth of our King, where citizens of his kingdom, and as Habakkuk says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That in the rise and fall of nations, God is at work fulfilling his purposes. This was true for Habakkuk, even though he was going to live through the brutal invasion of the Babylonians two and a half thousand years ago. And it will be true for us next year if we were invaded by the Australians. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you are building your kingdom, you are developing your plans, and that we are privileged to be a part of it. We're citizens of this global kingdom. And so, gracious Lord, this last week of the Advent season, as we look forward expectantly to celebrating your birthday, the date of your, that we recognize as your birth, we pray that, Lord, that you would be front and center in our lives. We pray that you would be king over us and that as citizens of your kingdom, we would be about your work, reflecting your values in the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. I mean.